show for guys who know sports. Texarkana's longest-running sports talk show. On 107.9, The Fan. We welcome you into Leaving the Yard. Chuck, Zach, Dwight McCowan on the day after. First time in history. Oh, man. I love history. <laughs> I'm a history guy, and I love history stuff. And today, for those of you on Facebook, you can see I have not brought out the Rangers jersey for fear of being the guy that jinxed it. So there's no way I was bringing it out until after the fact. So I, I today whipped out, you can't see it from behind very good, my Mike Napoli jersey. I don't have a, you know, Seeger or a Simeon or a, I, I got a Mike Napoli. It just shows you've been a fan for a long time, not a bandwagon hopper. Oh, I'm actually not a huge Ranger <laughs> fan, honestly. <laughs> But when I was in Dallas years and years ago, my wife were walking around some mall in Dallas and happened into like a Hibbets or some sports place like that. Mm -hmm. And was just through the rack. I think I was waiting on her to do something in the mall and found a Rangers jersey. I'm like, I don't have a Rangers jersey. And I wouldn't pay full price for them. Of course not. It was like 19 bucks. Like, that's that I'll do. I'll pay 19 bucks for a Ranger jersey. So like once a decade, it comes out and... I wear my Ranger jersey. So in honor of the Rangers getting their first ever World Series championship, the Mike Napoli came out today. Has been brought out. And you can see it's in fine shape. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, unless there's got moths in my closet. No, I think it, it, hasn't, it hasn't come out. Looks in very good condition. I know, right? You know, it, was, uh, it, was, it was very exciting for the Rangers. Obviously, I felt good. Um, that was my pick. I picked them in five, and they won in five. So yeah, uh, it should have been four. <laughs> <laughs> so they're really good about myself there, um, but no, nah, it was it was great. It was uh, it was awesome to see. Um, now it puts more pressure on the Cowboys if you're a Cowboys fan. Boy, fan. you you <laughs> jumped right into there. We can't even enjoy as a Ranger fan as a as a Northeast Texas Dallas community. We can't enjoy that for well not even twenty four hours. And you're already jumping on. There you go, Jerry. Where's yours now? And I, I don't disagree. I think you're 100% right. I, I, this town is so starved, this town being the Metroplex, uh-huh. and we're just an outlier, is so starved for a champion. They like the Mavericks. They love Dirk. They love Luka. I don't know. They love Kyrie. But they, they, they like the Mavericks. But it's a cowboy town. I mean, it's a football state off top anyway. So, you know, I was – you know, when when they won, you know, obviously you, you was happy for those guys. Um, but that's the first thing. I, my initial thought was, man, the Cowboys haven't won one. I mean, and then you think about it, it's like 1995. For me, in my mind, I'm saying that's not that long ago. And then you sit there and think, and you're like, oh, that's that's almost 30 years ago yes. that, they, that they won a Super Bowl. So, yes. you know, obviously we saw it, and so it doesn't seem as long. But me, now that I'm coaching, I'm coaching with young coaches who are like 24, 25, and you think about it, I'm like, you, you weren't even around when the Cowboys was winning. You, so you're – I really feel bad for you as a fan. You can't really enjoy it. You just been having nothing but misery for these years. So you're right. You know that's that's what those. So so yeah, that's going to put more pressure on the Cowboys. Obviously, you know you can't. Th- you know if they they can't think like that, but it, it really does though. No, I I 100% agree. Uh, uh, a couple of notes to that. You know when when Ray Davis bought this team, it's been what almost 15 years ago. Basically, the fire yeah. sale that had happened because the league ordered the Rangers to be sold. And bought them at 
a fairly inexpensive half-billion-dollar price tag, I think it was. They're worth about five times that now. They spent a ton of money. The last two years in particular, they reached deep in the pockets last last offseason, uh-huh. or I guess it's two years ago offseason, and spent about $800 million in contracts. No, you know, they're not one-year deals. They're long-term yeah, deals, long-term but deals. $800 great, million great. Dollars they committed to contracts. They're over the salary cap. They're going to pay into the luxury tax this year. But, you know, they they got a ring. I mean, you know, a lot of teams are doing it. Obviously, the Rams are doing it. Now they're, now they're having to, you know, deal with the with the fallout from it. But the Warriors and the NBA, you know, they, they paid the luxury tax for years and years. Sometimes you just got to go for it, and hopefully you got to own it with deep pockets and say, let's go get it. And so that's what you got. And see, baseball, I think, is actually unique. The Rangers were able to do it both ways. It feels like really good farm system. Yes. And we're able to dig in and spend some money and get some immediate veterans to fill spots they felt they had a need until young guys were ready to come up. It's it's not very often you can see them do it both ways. This feels like a team that's ready to have a sustained amount of success. Well, they didn't they didn't do what the the Yankees formula was, and after you know after probably in the, in the mid two thousands, not when they was rolling in the nineties, but the late two in the mid two thousands when the Yankees really was bleeding their form system by trading for big players, and you know so the Rangers didn't have to do that right there. I mean, so they signed some players, but they kept their form system right. so to me that was always a, not a long long term sustainable success for the for the Yankees because you had nothing coming up right. and so what the Rangers are doing is very smart obviously and um, obviously you know they you, you try to you know what you never want to say hey can you do it again next year because you just want to you want to enjoy what you just went through but you, you start to look down the road and say hey these guys can can do what the Astros really been doing these last you know six seven years you know I, I was going back and forth with somebody last night and, and the word lucky popped up a couple times and I didn't think the Rangers were particularly lucky in this offseason I thought however they were very lucky in the way that the playoffs laid out for them. We're going to look back and say, wow, you know, they beat Tampa, who started the year just red hot, but injuries decimated them. They got Baltimore, who won a league best, what, 101 games, Mm -hmm. but just they didn't look built for short term. Yeah, it wasn't that, yeah. They looked built for a long term, but not for a short term. And I think they're going to be one of those teams that's going to have to figure out, do we have the pieces to win series? Then they got the Astros. Houston was pretty healthy, and so I thought the Houston series is legit. Yes. And then they get the Diamondbacks, who were the last team to sneak into the playoffs in the National League. Didn't scare anybody. I was more worried about Philadelphia. Nobody wanted Atlanta. And yet you got the Diamondbacks. So, yeah, some degree of luck when you start looking back at it from 2020 perspective, looking backward – pretty easy layout with the exception of Houston. Well, I, now the, the coach side of me coming out. I, All right. You know, I hear people say, you know, it's luck. Whenever you win a championship, it's a luck. You you have to have the ball's got to bounce yep. your way. You know, injuries didn't go your way, didn't happen to your team. Things just happen. And the matchups, that's, you know, it's one of those things like, do you want me to apologize for winning? Like, no, I, hey, man, hey, we going to take it however we can take it. That's that's kind of how we all, I always looked at it as a coach, you know. And so, you know, I always joke with, when I hear fans, you know, talk about like, so you, you, you want us to you want us to be in a, a knockdown drag out every game? Like no, nah, you know, just you know, we 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 blown everybody out. I want us to be battle tested. Right. I don't. I want to. I want to I I hammer everybody. Right. If we can hammer them all. Let's, let's roll through it. Yes. If I, I don't, if I have to play the the 2007 New England Patriots every week, I'm fine with that. And it's not, not hurting my back. So you know, I, I think you know, 
it, it sounds great in theory of man, I want to be battle tested. I mean, we all that's that's the competitive side of it. But hey, you're gonna take it how you take it. And so I always say it's no matter who wins, it's some kind of luck involved. No question. And it, it can be you know with a, a call that went your way. I mean, look, the New England Patriots whole dynasty started on luck. If you want to look at it that way, with when Tom Brady he actually fumbled the football. Tuck Charles, Wood, oh yeah, when Charles Woodson hit him. Yep, that started the dynasty. So yep. it, it just it, things like that happen, and that's just part of sports. However, the the American League felt weak. Yes, the National League felt Atlanta and the Dodgers and the Dodgers pitching staff fell apart, and Atlanta just ran into a Philadelphia team that was red hot for ten days. It was a buzzsaw, and then just completely stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know the Rangers win if they've got Atlanta. I'm not saying they're not going to, Correct. but they had the great matchup. And as good as Zach Gallen was yesterday, and he was so good. Starting for Arizona, yes, they had no chance against Nathan Evaldi, who was even better. You know, and I follow what you say. Like, you know, it it it, it, it went their way, and that's one of those things where it's like, hey, man, um, you look at the, you know, if, if you're looking at the the Braves to make it or Philadelphia, if you're Rangers fans, like, hey, man, you should have made it. You know, we were here. Where were you at? You know, it's one hey, of them. <laughs> Can't wait on you. You hit the uh, Diamondbacks caught fire. You know, because I mean, we sat here. You know, what three weeks ago we was like, man, Philadelphia is just oh my gosh, they're just team to rolling be. right now. Yep. It's not a chance. And all of a sudden, I mean, in the, just the drop of a hat, they couldn't hit the ball no more. Nope. And and so that's the one magical thing about baseball. Obviously, you know, I, I, I coach basketball and football, but I, you know, my first love as a kid was baseball, and so baseball is one of those sports where, you know, it could be going good, and all of a sudden, you know. Either way can flip. It can flip in a good way for you and a yep. bad way in, in just in, in a snap of a finger. And so that's the beauty about baseball and the baseball playoffs that you got to love about it. I'll, I'll take you back to a couple of things because today Nelson Cruz announced through a podcast that he was a guest on that he's probably done. Okay. At 43 years old, he, he's had enough, I think. I would and, think so. And, and rightfully so. Absolutely. He, he, he played with San Diego and then got released near the end of the year, I think. Um had a, I think five home runs this season. Two seventy four hitter, hit what in excess of four hundred home runs, I believe. Correct. Um, I don't think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I think the World Series gaff hurts his correct. It hurts his case. A suspension for fifty games hurts his case. Very much going to hurt. Um, but. I was reminded today when that story came across, this Ranger win, for you guys who are fans from wherever, forever ago, and I was thinking today about all the guys I could remember who were Ranger players yes, who never sniffed this. You know, we could go back to the 70s to guys like David Clyde and Jeff Burroughs and Al Oliver and Buddy Bell and Toby Hara and Davey Nelson. Yes, sir. Julio Franco, Juan Gonzalez, Pudge Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, Nolan Ryan in the middle of that, Fergie Jenkins, if I go backward a little bit more. None of those guys got right here. Mickey Rivers, Obi McDowell. Ruben Sierra. Ruben Sierra, (laughs) thank you. Rusty Greer, guys like that who never got to this place. It felt like a weight of a franchise on these guys this year. It carried a bunch of these guys forward with them. Absolutely. Into a spot where 
you got a championship, not just for the 2023 edition of the Rangers, but for all those old guys that were part of this as well. So there, there's a lot of special stuff in here. They're going to have a parade in Dallas tomorrow, apparently, um, that's going to uh, honor the World Series champion. Uh, a friend of ours is in uh, Dallas today. He said he was at the Academy in Fort Worth. And the police had to be on hand because they put out World Series stuff. All people was going just going crazy trying to get out up. They're dropping forty five dollars yeah. for T shirts and thirty five dollars for caps. That's crazy. And everybody's jumping on the bandwagon oh, yeah. right well, now because you want to be part of a winner. Absolutely. So that's all part of what's happening today. With a great time with a new dome stadium last couple of years. Isn't that oh, the truth? Man. And you, you know, <laughs> that's a great point. How much of this success? Do you put on to that? I mean, you not, don't have to endure summers anymore if you're a pitcher, which we knew always was a problem of getting free agents to come here. You're protecting those arms. Now, granted, they had injuries, but you're protecting investments in arms for baseball. You're bringing in more revenue with that stadium. You got to wonder if I mean, this doesn't date back to that. That was my one of my initial thoughts when they was building a new stadium. I remember going to the ballpark and always just some games in July, and it's brutal. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm if I'm exhausted sitting in the stands watching the game, I just imagine going out there and pitching and hitting and playing and you know and playing, you know, you know, four games and five nights or things like that and yep. that heat and that takes its heat. So absolutely. That was my first initial thought when they built it. All right. So today on the show, don't forget we've got uh, picks of righteousness that's coming up in about a half an hour. We're certainly gonna talk about Bobby Knight, who passed away yes. just as the show was getting ready to end yesterday. We mentioned it briefly, but you weren't here yesterday. You were a basketball guy, and so we're going to sp- certainly spend the next segment talking a little bit about Bobby Knight. But I also have to do our Thursday version of our Nukes Sports Trivia giveaway. We got a $10 gift card. Uh, Matt Fry won on Tuesday. Got Tuesdays off the schneid by telling <laughs> us the answer to Tuesday's question. I'm going to do one. Obviously, it's Ranger World Series stuff. So here's your question for today. You can win either way. You can call 903-735-9905. Be the first caller. Give me the answer. I get the phone first. If you do that, you're the winner. You get the $10 gift card. If you aren't inclined to call, but you're sitting on Facebook watching, type it in. Hit send. If you're the first one there before I get a phone call, then it's you. You got the $10 gift card. There's our music. So here we go. We've been talking Rangers and history and World Series. 2010, Rangers made their first appearance in the World Series. Remember that? Against the Giants. I do remember. Didn't win. But they did win one game. Who was a winning pitcher? (laughs) For the Rangers, the first World Series winning pitcher for that Ranger team. The only game they won in that series against uh, the Giants in 2010. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. 903-735-9905. Or you can hit us on Facebook. You're on the fan. 1079. Chuck Zach, Dwight McCowan. We're coming right back to Leaving the Yard.
back. Well, Thursdays, catching up to Tuesdays. It's a tough question. No right answer. Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, I'm blank. <laughs> you do know. Because when I say it, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I knew that. Kobe Lewis. Say, look at your face. You told me. Oh, right? I'm kicking myself now. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was thinking, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm just rattling off. I know. Right? Cliff Lee was a starter game one. He lost two games in that series. I've missed my last two weeks of this. <laughs> you, sir, need to bone up on I've your got, sports got, trivia. I've got to do better. I was, I was, I was perfect at first, and I'm 0 for 2 last That's two all right. Weeks. Tuesday wins this week. It's, it happens. It happens sometimes. That's all right. Anyway, all right. On we roll. It's about uh, 20 minutes after the hour coming up at uh, about 15 till. We'll have picks of righteousness for this week. A lot of great college football games on the med- on the uh, menu this week, so we'll spend a little bit of time hammering our way through that. But uh, last night about 545, we got word that uh, former Indiana, Texas Tech, Army basketball coach mm-hmm. Bobby Knight had passed away at the age of 83. Uh, I spent a little time today going back and reading some of the eulogies, if you will, and the columns that had been written by guys that knew him. Um, There was one on ESPN. John Feinstein wrote one for the Washington Post today. Handful of other guys in Indianapolis and other places that were around the program wrote some things today. Former players were interviewed and wrote some things. So... I'm going to give you a chance to, to opine first on this since I got a, a little bit yesterday without really thinking about it. You've had 24 hours. Thoughts on Bobby? Yeah. Uh, one, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat where it says he, he out of all his great teams, he only had one uh, NBA All-Star, and that was obviously, obviously Isaiah Thomas, which to me that shows you how impressive a coach he was, you know, running that motion offense back then, especially with no three-point line. Um, but you know, funny story. I met I met Bobby Knight um, back in 2004 at the Big Twelve um, Big Twelve tournament, and I was in line the day before. I had uh, was actually in line with John Lucas, and I was talking to him. Uh, he's smaller than I thought, by the way, in person. John but Lucas, yes, is, oh yeah, yeah he's, he's very small. But uh, I was me and Bobby Knight. We just happened to be in line. He just he was just in line with everybody, and he was right in front of me. He's a he's a really big guy, and uh, I kind of looked. And I said, Coach Knight, and he turns and he speaks and he shakes my hand. And, you know, we're talking in line and stuff like that. And um, couldn't have been a nicer person, you know. We just were just talking about basketball and the upcoming game because it was about to be Kansas and Texas that I was about to play next. And he had uh, – obviously he was coaching Tech at the time, but he was just in line with the rest of us. Uh, so that was my impression of just meeting him in person. But as a coach, you know, I always kind of joke when I see, you know, the the fury and, and the passion that he has. I, but I always would say – I would look at him and be like, he's a coach that I just would not want to send my son to. And that's not me knowing him at the time personally, just watching just from the outside. And that's just me being honest. Like, hey, man, sometimes, you know, it's, it's cool to get on your kids, but hey, that's sometimes a little bit too far. But having said that, everybody's different. Everybody's style's different. You know, and that style that he had, it worked in the 70s and in the 80s. You can do that, you know. Um, now you can't do that so much, but um, what he did was effective. You know, he had the last perfect team. Obviously, everybody knows that, uh, and they weren't the best team, but they was perfect, and so they played well together. And and um, obviously, one of his proteges uh, is running the University of Indiana now, coaching the University of Indiana uh, basketball team. And I was what I was told was he was he was he was there quite a bit. You know, these last uh, year or so when he moved back to Bloomington, and uh, he would go watch uh, Coach Woodson's practices and things like that. So you know, that's uh, obviously it's upsetting that he passed away, but uh, one of his former pupils. Or now he's not coaching Indiana. That's pretty good, right? You know, I read a, a, a guy today, and in a comment section after uh-huh. one of the stories have been posted, 
And this guy said, for Bobby Knight in hell, all the chairs are nailed down. <laughs> Which I thought was a, that's, that's a, 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 an ironic way to put that. Yeah. It's... Uh, he wasn't you. You had a you had a brief encounter with him, obviously. Cool. I never did personally. Yes. But watching him, you just cringed every time somebody got him in a press conference, which he hated. Yes. Had nothing for the media. I get it. He knew basketball inside and out. The people asking him questions about what happened in the game didn't, and so he had zero tolerance and zero patience or respect or respect for people doing their jobs questioning him at his i mean as obviously his famous quote about they can bury me face down so my critics can kiss my blank is is the perfect bobby knight moment as warm and nice as he was with people that he liked and i've read for since Season on a Brink came out forever ago mm-hmm. that John Feinstein wrote about, what was it, the 88 or 89 Indiana team. Since then, I think light's been shed on the inside of that program that most people didn't see. You know, they got it from the outside where, like I said, 76 team won a championship behind right. a Scott May and a Kent Benson and, and a Quinn Buckner and those guys. Isaiah got in that 81 team. Yes. But I don't think most people got much about Bobby Knight. He won games. Indiana was back as kind of the replacement for UCLA now that Wooden had, had retired. Dean Smith hadn't quite gotten there yet. Shashevsky wasn't a thing yet. He was probably the preeminent he coach in the country. Thing. Correct, he was. But nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes. We didn't have social media. The newspaper... One guy, uh, Bob Hamill, was a guy who had access to him. Nobody else really did. And Hamill wrote only positive stories. And so the stories that came out were very, you know, complimentary of the programming of night. Which most small town schools are, yes. But once it started turning in the other direction, it felt like all of a sudden, instead of being a guy who was a really great basketball coach and who didn't tend to tolerate questions from the media he became a mean sob who didn't have time or patience or respect as you said for anybody great who by the way won basketball games how it flipped great basketball coach abrasive personality to just jerk who coaches basketball which he probably was at the whole time he just obviously it was just Cover up, and and back then you can be that way, and it's like, man, you don't have to be a, a bad person um, to people to be a good coach. I remember another story was uh, you remember uh, Jeremy Shaft, Dick Shaft, yeah, well, uh, oh uh, yeah, big writer for ESPN, and so Jeremy did an interview with him when he first got into it. If you remember this story, and yeah. and and Bob Knight was very very harsh to him. I mean, very mean to him, and pretty much cut the interview short. And they said uh, Dick Shep called Bobby Knight up and he kind of lit him up like, hey, that's my son. You know, this is my child, things like that. And he defended his child. And I, I want to say they said Bobby Knight reached back out to Jeremy Shep and, and, and apologized to him. 
And and so you look at that and it's like, hey man, just because you win games doesn't give you the right to mistreat people or be a or be a jerk about things. And so that's always the complicated story about Bob Knight. And I always look at the last one when he when he uh when they kind of forced him out finally. It was my senior high school, matter of fact, it was uh fall of 2000 and, and Mike Davis took over and they struggled that year but the next year they caught fire and went to the final four and hadn't been there you know for at the point for like at that point for like 10 years so because the game really to be honest with you people didn't want to admit it but the game passed him by yeah. I mean he went to Texas Tech he did a couple of decent little things but the game really passed him by and not as an ex in those things but more so about how do you treat people how do you treat these new students these new kids my generation we were coming up is you know you could yell at us we were you could yell at us sure but you can't Dog cuss us nope. and, and 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 put your hands on you because nope. hey man probably our parents are come out the stands as well or we're gonna hit you back as well so he just he he just became a dinosaur in the game now I will say this though before you know he got really sick and a little bit older and when he was when he was commentating on games oh man he was he was great yeah, he was he, really great he at, knew at, the game at the, at the, but it was ironic that he hated the media and he went into the media and that's why I always laugh about that just, that's really ironic to me but but see in his mind I'll bet you. That's okay because he knew the game. Correct. So for him to be a guy who spent all of his life around it, to be commentating on it, to be a color guy on it, to analyze what coaches – that's a guy Bobby would have respected. But for a guy to go to journalism school and it's, not be a player, not be a coach, and you just you, you just went to school to get journalism, and you're asking me about basketball correct. when you don't understand it. There was the, the guy I read today – Said he had a scheduled interview for Bobby Knight after practice, and he was dreading it because he knew that after practice, Knight could be either just irate at the world if practice went bad, yes, or just plain grumpy if practice went well. <laughs> but it was after practice, nothing's ever perfect, and he's got to go in and sit down with him. And he said, I sat down. And he was dismissive to me, and he didn't hardly say anything. And I tried to ask him a couple questions, and he gave me pat answers yes. or one-word answers. And I mentioned uh, Hamill, who was a guy for the Indianapolis Star, I believe, who happened to be in there as well. He was there all the time, covered the Hoosiers constantly. He was sitting in the office as well. And he asked Knight about some story about some game that had been back in forever. And when it was Hamill and Knight talking, he said they went for an hour and told stories and reminisced. And Correct. as long as I stayed off to the side and I didn't get in the middle of their conversation and I let my tape recorder roll, he gave me gold. Yes. He said, but he wasn't going to tell anything to me. But see, I was a fly and that was okay to be outside the conversation. Couldn't be inside it. And that's, the, that's a bully no respect factor right there. Hey, I'm a, I'm a person as well. Just because I didn't, you know, that person I didn't coach the game that doesn't mean I can't study just like you have and learn it right and so I just took a different path of a different different job and so I think to me that's very frustrating that people just just be a good person man like like do I feel like not that I'm in Bob Knight status but do after some games I have to do radio stuff do I feel like talking to radio all the time if we win or lose no but hey man that's that's a person just like I am he's a man like I am I'm gonna respect him and answer the questions and and uh then I can go home and pout to myself not in front of everybody else. I've, I've, I've done I've done that with Ryan Wall for four years after games, and and Ryan's a guy who's a great interview, like today, correct? Who's not a guy who likes to talk after games, and the first year in particular, he didn't want to talk, and pretty much the athletic department said, you know, you really need to talk. They're yes. up here doing these games, it's, and he he actually became a better interview more as engaging. we went on and did yeah, it. More 
taking the understanding of we had a job to do too. Correct. And once we were all there, that we weren't out to get you. We just want a couple of words with you. Then it worked okay. Funny, funny, funny story about my by my former neighbor, uh, Coach Wallace. Obviously, first year I'm doing the scoreboard, so I'm and we know each other. I come to watch practice and things like that. He let me come watch practice, and he looks over at me as, as one of his uh, point guards because he didn't have a point guard at the time. He looks at me, and, and one of my kids obviously was a really good player, and he was recruiting him. He said, "That's why I bleep 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 need him here now. Get him here <laughs> next year." <laughs> like, gotcha, Coach. I do what I can. <laughs> Right, the, tw- the scores table was like you're getting fussed like the players right yeah. now, and I'm like, hey man, <laughs> it's a stressful job. It's a stressful job. Which was, you don't control anything. Yeah, I, I, and, and I, I was like, I get it, man. I've been there before. Yep. It's the worst feeling ever. So I just laughed at him and winked, like, no problem, coach. And we, we laughed. We laughed after the game too. We got to take a break. It's about 29 <laughs> minutes till top of the hour. Leaving the yard. Chuck, Zach, Dwight McCowan here on the fan 107.9. Welcome back. we got about uh, 25 minutes till top of the hour. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll have picks of righteousness. It is always a big time. we got a lot of good college football games on the menu for this week. The NFL, of course, has its own share. We don't talk the NFL a whole heck of a lot because we usually spend our time talking about what's going to happen with the uh, with the Saturday games. But the Cowboys and Eagles this week. Huge, huge game, huge game. Uh, I, hate, I hate statement game. I hate using that term, statement games. But well, you, Why do you use it then? Well, because it's <laughs> it's true. I just I, I hate. I just feel like I'm putting extra pressure, especially if it's my team playing. Yeah. So I'm like, no, nah, it's just you know, it's just a regular game. But it's it's, it's actually you know, it's it's be good if Cowboys can 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 go get a win here. Obviously, we uh, I took my son. Uh, we went to the Cowboys game last year and they beat Philadelphia in Dallas. Okay. Um, but obviously Jalen Hurst didn't play, and so people can use that against them, and, sure. and people find ways to use it against them. But you know, it's be a good win for them to go and, and knock off Philadelphia and and, and kind of. Reestablish what they lost a little bit against San Francisco. Now again, it's still not gonna satisfy the fans because satisfy the media and people who kind of go at the Cowboys because all they're gonna say is, "Well, do it, in, do it in January." So, but it still goes a long way just to build a little bit of confidence. I'm feeling that the media has turned back toward the Cowboys. Think so? As the 49ers have lost three in a row. I think you start looking around the NFC and saying, okay, well, a month ago when San Francisco Dallas around, Dallas is second rate at this stage, second tier. 49ers, Eagles are probably first tier. Well, now the Niners have slipped back. Seattle's actually passed them in their own they division. Have, they have, they have. And I'm starting to think the media thinks the Cowboys may be the team. Now, it makes me nervous midway through the season to be – you know, coronated as you're, you're you're the champion when you hadn't done anything yet. I, I don't like that at all. They stood pat at the trade deadline. I disagree with that one, but yeah, I understand. The the Niners didn't. No, picked up a <laughs> hopefully for the 49ers a you know offense wrecking defensive end in Chase Young. Dallas yes. didn't do anything. San Fran to me, San Francisco is a bad matchup for the Cowboys. You yeah. know, you, you, you have those teams where it's just a bad matchup for you. And and, and for Dallas, hope you would hope they can find a way to not run into San Francisco. Somebody can knock those guys off in the playoffs. Maybe if they if Dallas can can obviously win the NFC uh 
first round get the first round by maybe maybe Philly gets you know the second seed and San Fran the third seed those two tangle a little bit and Philly knocks them off for them because San Fran's just really a bad matchup for Dallas to be honest which is just not a good matchup for them but uh, I think that I think the Cowboys match up very well with Philadelphia obviously last year they split the games with each other Dallas doesn't lose at home right now which you know you, you said you don't like statement games I don't like statement game but I I know this Falling two games behind Philadelphia at the midway part of the season, you'll get one more chance at him in the second Great. half to make that up. But you fall two games behind, I think this is a Dallas team that needs to be at home if they want to make the run through to the Super Bowl. You mentioned San Francisco. Ain't nobody wants to go back to San Francisco. Oh, Lord, no. That offensive line's trouble. They're big. Trent Williams has been out the last couple of weeks. If you Correct. wonder why the 49ers have lost three in a row, look at left tackle, and it's pretty easy to figure out what's going on offensively. Now I have to figure out him and Debo Samuel out right now. Right. <laughs> they get those pieces back, and they just add Chase Young to the defense. It's a different team, and they're building towards a playoff run. They're not building towards what's going to happen right now. McCarthy and, and Jerry said they like where they are. They like what they've got as a team. Can't argue with them. They're having a pretty hot streak right now. But it... it it isn't perfect, and they left players potentially on the table. There were some cornerbacks that were out there being discussed. Dallas didn't pull the trigger on any of them. I just think losing to Philly this week makes it a really difficult hole to try to win the division and win home field throughout. Philly's the team right now. Yeah, you got to go worry about. And and and, and, the, and the and the division wise, it's them and Philly. So you know Dallas has dominated the Giants in Washington lately, and some teams are very very bad. So if you can win this one here, that gives you, you you're undefeated in the division. Uh, you have to play them again a little bit later, but you got you got the leg up on those guys, and so it is an important game. Um, do I think they're good enough to beat them? Absolutely. I still feel they should have made a move. I think they, I think they need a running back as well. That's just my opinion. I feel like they needed a running back. Somebody who can really, uh, really stick it up in there and, and runs, get some tough yardage. I don't would, think they have that. Would you have gone after Derek? Derek oh, Henry? Absolutely. That's, would you? I would have went for after Derek Henry and um, DeAndre Hopkins. That's what I, okay. I was thinking. They needed a possession guy and they need a back. But you know, Jerry, you know, he he's 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 the GM, and I, which I disagree with that one, but. You know, I, I understand what they're saying, but to me, those good teams like a San Francisco, like a Philadelphia, they just go make those deals and be like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fortify what we got yep. and get even stronger. And San Fran, like San Fran, they they're going almost the New York Giants route of ten years ago, just saying, you know, we're just gonna double down and go get more defensive linemen and just gonna get after you. We may not we might struggle to score the points, but you won't score on us neither. So that's where, you know, I feel like Dallas dropped the ball and could have got a, a big running back like Derrick Henry and, and controlled the clock. Nobody's willing to trade offensive linemen, so those don't really move Correct. around. Washington made the, the commitment to basically saying, we're not good enough to be a playoff team right now, and they gave away both defensive ends, which, I mean, I get they're your best asset. You pulled an extra second and an extra third-round draft choice for next year, so they're going to have five picks minimum in the first three rounds. Probably going to fire their coach in a little bit. Probably going to fire their coach. They've got a chance to retool with five young players that are going to come out of the top basic hundred or so in the NFL draft. And so I think San Francisco made a great deal grabbing Chase Young. I don't like the Bears taking Montez Sweat. I don't get it. Giving away another draft choice. This is Khalil Mack Light. 
I don't even understand the Bears what they're doing. No. Period. Anyway, well, I, I don't, don't think either. they understand what they're doing. That, yeah. That's a bad franchise. Um, you know, that's one of those. If if my son was was one of those top quarterbacks, I know people say, "Hey, you should be happy where your son goes." I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> not there. We want no part of that team, that franchise, right there at all. Want any part of Las Vegas? Absolutely. You you do. Yes, I, I would. Tell go, me, I would go there with Chicago. Really? Yes. They got no coach. They got no GM. They got no OC. They're starting over again after two failed years. And you, you got, got an unhappy Devontae Adams. Well, you got a quarterback that you can't even decide who's going to be the starter because it doesn't look like Garoppolo's going to be back under center. Well, if you're asking me, do I would I prefer the Raiders or the Bears? I'm going to pick the Raiders. Okay. I just think that's more, which is crazy. Uh, right. more and, and, yeah, yeah. In that comparison, if sure. I got that, I mean, that's the lesser of the two evils, in my opinion. Right. But if it's if I have a choice of all of them, no, neither one of those. But <laughs> but if you say, hey, hey, you got to go to the Raiders or the Bears, we're just going gonna to the Raiders. Pinch our nose and go yeah, to the Raiders. That's, that's right. what we're going to do. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I, I I got an owner again in Mark Davis who made decisions that felt like I can replicate New England. I'll bring in some Patriot guys oh and we'll do the same thing they do, only to find out you got to have a quarterback. You let Carr go. Garoppolo has just never been what they wanted him to be, and now you are with no real QB. You know, I, I think I think the biggest problem with the NFL, in my opinion, is when, especially when it comes to quarterback position, one, they get, those guys get too much praise. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> You go get those New England coaches. Well, you're bringing a prime Tom Brady with you. Yeah. No, you're not. So right. it, it, it's it's not always the scheme. Sometimes it's the Jimmies and Joes. And so you need those guys. You know, I say that obviously as a coach, my best coaching days is when I had really good players. Right. It makes it a lot easier. Yes. So, you know, I, I never understand why they go get those guys off that New England tree because if you're not bringing Tom Brady, what does it really matter? Uh, but having said that, you know, it's it's really it's really hard to figure out what what the Raiders really want to accomplish. I, I mean, I have no idea what, what he wants to do. I'm not a Derek Carr fan per se, but that guy's a top top twelve NFL quarterback, and I get this struggling right now in New Orleans. But you just you just don't find those guys just randomly out there in the league, and you just give them away for nothing. All of a sudden, you, to me, you were going on nostalgia and bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo with his old OC, who he only played four games with as a starter. So. I didn't understand that. And you're going to make your starting receiver upset because that's why he signed with that's you. Right. He's going to play with Derek Carr. That's right. <laughs> so You spent that money to bring that man over there to go with his college quarterback. And send him off. And you send him off less than a year into their – they're starting to work together. But that's what McDaniel did in Denver, if you remember correctly. Yes. In Denver, he ran off Jay Cutler. He ran off uh, Brandon Marshall. He alienated everybody in the in the in the franchise and set those guys back another three to four years. And that's probably what we did to the Las Vegas Raiders. It's amazing. The good teams don't seem to have those things. They don't have those dropbacks. They they, no, they, they stay consistent most of the time. They don't win every year. But they don't have the whole, oh, my God, we made the wrong move at the coaching position. Correct. we got to hit the reset button and start over again. The good organizations just don't seem to do that. And no, the I'm bad a, ones do it all the time. Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. They still right. have a quarterback right now. Yep. And they're, and they're right there in the thick of it. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. Picks of Righteousness coming up next. 15 minutes till top of the hour. Leaving the yard, Chuck Zach, Dwight McCowan. You're on the fan, 107.9. Anheuser-Busch is celebrating the 19th anniversary of the world-famous Budweiser Clydesdale.
gotta turn that down. That's not my music for this, because it's that time. Time for leaving the yards every Thursday night. Picks of righteousness. It's not about being right. It's about being righteous. We gonna pick who we want. Yes, we will. We don't care if you like it. It's not about the punch spread or what the papers say. Y'all tune in to the Peaks of Righteousness. Oh, my goodness. Every Thursday. All right, EJ Jackson. The Picks of Righteousness theme song, and away we go. Here's how it works, boys and girls. Every single Thursday during the college football season, we uh, give you up a menu of games to consider. Well, that we consider. Not that we think we're going to be able to help you win money on Saturday, because trust me, we're not. If we thought we could do that, we wouldn't tell you anything, and we'd win all the money ourselves. Absolutely. We don't have that uh, kind of power. We don't care about, uh, as he just says, the point spread. We don't care about who's the favorite. We don't care about what's in the offing. We care about which team do we like. Who's got a player we like? Who's got a uniform we like? Who's got a coach we like? Who do we just? Uh, who are we rooting for? Absolutely. So that's what we do. So we'll start it off. Arkansas back in action this week. They had a bye week, so they didn't lose. They've got uh, Florida. They got to go to two Florida to take on the Gators. Dwight McCowan, what do you think? Both teams struggling. I'm going with Arkansas. They're going to have to win one. Why not start now? We have constantly said our love for Lance. Landon Jackson. Land, uh, Landon Jackson, rather, and uh, and all things up in uh, Fayetteville. Correct. I got really no connection to Florida at all. I don't even like alligators. <laughs> Who likes alligators? Not anybody I know likes alligators. No, thank you. Crocodile Dundee and Steve Irwin. We know what happened to him. We do. Now, we're going with Razorbacks, not with not with Gators. <laughs> Aggies and Ole Miss. You know, I actually like Lane Kiffin. I'm, I'm probably in the minority on you that. You are, I definitely. <laughs> You're the only person I know. It's a minority of one. Yeah, he's a very arrogant guy, but I don't know. It's something about the guy, you know, so I'm going to go. And, and I don't like Jimbo Fisher, so I have to. Oh, go, well, see, know, there's that. Go, I don't, so, you know. uh, see, I don't know anybody who likes Jimbo either. Yeah. This is like which coach <laughs> Like the least. So I want to keep watching that dumpster fire in AM just burn, burn, burn. So I'm going Ole Miss. Ole Miss is 10th in the country. They're probably not going to make the playoff, certainly. No. But I kind of like, I'm kind of enjoying this resurgence at Ole Miss. And like you said, not a fan of Jimbo. I don't like Lane. I don't like Jimbo. (laughs) It's Ole Miss. Texas hosting Kansas State. You know, actually, uh, a young man, uh, he starts for Kansas State at safety, uh, old Kobe uh, from Paris, Texas. Okay. I watched him as a little boy when I was coaching in Detroit, Texas. Okay. So I'm picking Kansas State. Kansas State. You know, I'm torn on this yeah. one. I've, I've always been a Bill Snyder guy, and obviously he's not coaching uh, there yeah. anymore, well, who did guy. so uh-huh. much – with so little. I love the Michael Bishop era. Exactly. <laughs> and made Kansas State relevant. Texas has, I don't know, they, they, they argue they've got the biggest win of the year, the road win at Alabama. I can't argue with it. It's true. I just don't know that I'm ready to see the Longhorns in the playoff conversation. I don't want them to lose because I want to see a rematch with OU. To be honest with you. That's a good point. Good point. So I'm torn on this one. 
So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Longhorn because I want to see OU in Texas one last time playing for something meaningful. They'll go in the SEC and they'll face each other all the time. This is the last time they would actually get a chance to play for a conference championship in the Big 12. That's right. Or on the other side of that, we want both Oklahoma and Texas to keep losing and we'll get an actual Big, Big 12 Champ- champion. I'm sure that's what the Big 12 conference is, look, is hoping I for. I would bet. So watch for the officiating. <laughs> Not that there's anything funky going on there. We didn't see Notre Dame at Clemson. You know, I've, I've been kind of sticking my buddy J.W. Bramlin in the side a little yeah. bit, but I'm, I'm picking Notre Dame this one here. Really? I, I, I'm loving the dumpster fire I'm seeing at Clemson right now. Let's just keep watching the go-to. I was really disappointed <laughs> to hear Dabo's conversation. Radio uh, response. He had, a, he had an interview going on on his uh, radio show, and a guy called in, and Dabo sounded... Defensive? Well, not even not even defensive, but I, I don't like... he. Saying to a fan, you're part of the problem. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Saying to a fan, your expectations for this program have gotten off the charts and nobody can live up to that. Well, success breeds expectations. That's true. You can't be mad at fans because they expect you to continue to do what you've done for a decade and you haven't lived up to it this year. And I didn't like the hinting around of, I don't work for you, which, yeah, you do. I work for the university's athletic director and the president, and if they don't like what I'm doing, they can tell me to go someplace else, and I'll find another j-. He sounded very, very much like a man, not just defensive, but who may have gotten that conversation from somebody of, it's time to start looking around. Yeah. And he may be laying the groundwork for it. I like Notre Dame always to begin with, I like Clemson most of the time secondarily, but right now... Too much going on there, huh? Uh, pinata. <laughs> Smack dabble around right yeah. now because actually it's entertaining and he's sanctimonious and... and That's oh, what makes it better. Yeah, That's if this is going to go up in flames, <laughs> I want it to go up in flames. So go Irish. Uh, Missouri and Georgia. Oh, Georgia. I mean, I'm going to pick them. I just think they're the better team. And uh, I actually like watching them grind people out a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of SEC teams, but I like how they just kind of pound the football on you. There's something I like about Missouri this year. I they can't put my they, finger yeah, on yeah, it. They, they, they are. They are. It, is, it is fun to watch them. I, I think I'm – and, again, my head would tell me it's going to be Georgia and Correct. Georgia's going to win big. It's in Athens. That won't be a thing. But I'm rooting for Missouri this week. I, I would like to see you know Missouri. What, you know what, Chuck? You helped me channel my – I want to see the streak in. Let's, really? go, let's go Missouri. All right, let's, there you go. The streak in. There you go. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Obviously going to Oklahoma State. Got a couple of my former players there at Oklahoma State, so I'm always going to roll with those guys, with Xavier and, and Nick. See, here's my spot where I'm torn. Yeah. I, if you want OU Texas, OU's got to win this. That's true. If you want to see the Big 12 championship, then you want Kansas State and Oklahoma State. That's right. But you're right. I, I, I love our Hawk guys that are over at Oklahoma Absolutely. State. I want them to take OU down on the last time that uh, they're going to see each other because they may not see each other again. There's no telling when those two will, true, will agree yeah. to play again. Cowboys. Yeah. Cowboy up. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Uh, Washington and uh, USC. Ooh, I'm going to go with Washington. I, I really like watching, uh, you know, obviously Penix and um, – 
I kind of like watching again a little bit of a dumpster fire that's going yeah, on in USC right now. Too, yeah. the things kind of burn. He, it's amazing. USC ain't playing defense. Nope. Where he's going, they don't play defense. Nope. It's, you know, like, like I'm not surprised by that. I'm disappointed <laughs> that Caleb Williams Heisman talk has fallen off. He's still probably the best quarterback yeah. in college. Uh, it's sad that this thing's gone in such a place. Now, they're 20th ranked, and if they lose again this week at home, they may fall out of the top 25. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Never would have thought that. Absolutely. And love that. <laughs> Washington, LSU, Alabama. Uh, you know, I actually, again, I'm one of those. I actually like Nick Saban. Me too. I really like his teams. Uh, he's he's so fundamentally sound. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with uh, Alabama. I'm not a Brian Kelly guy. I don't think this is a good enough Alabama team to make its way into the playoff. I don't think so, neither. Though. I think they're going to get beat by Georgia in the SEC championship game if they keep uh, winning out. But I, there's just nothing about this LSU team that makes me think I'm rooting for them at all. I just don't see it. I was actually surprised whenever I was so high on them at the beginning of the year, to be yeah. honest with you. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> and uh, we're out of time. I Northwestern, I'll just throw this out there. Iowa's firing their offensive coordinator. Northwestern got rid of their head coach. Can we have a tie? Please. We're done. Dwayne McCown, <laughs> great seeing you again. Enjoy the weekend. I'm going to try to. Thank you so much. We'll be back again uh, well, next week, Monday. We'll try this again. Post all the college games and the Cowboys-Eagles. We'll try this one more time. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to Leaving the Yard. You're on the fan, 107.9. If you missed any of today's show, get it on demand anytime on the fan1079.com and catch the replay of today's Leaving the Yard tomorrow morning at 7 right here on KCMC Texarkana 1079 The Fan.